Amen. Well, it's always good to see you, church. As you know, I like to encourage you to read the Word of God. And I encourage you today, read Psalm 55, verse 22. Psalm 55, verse 22. Read it at the beginning of the year, tonight, tomorrow, every day. And know that God is going to get you through it all. And second, I always want to encourage you to pray. And I want to encourage you to pray for something. I'm going to kind of encourage you guys to pray towards a direction. Is pray for each other. And also pray that maybe... Someone will come to know, someone will, that God will use you to help someone know who he is. Right? Start praying that. Praying for divine appointments in your life that God will help you to open those possibilities in whatever context you're in. Start praying that every day and see where God leads you. Let's go. Speaking of prayers, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we're just uh, so grateful we can come together like this. God, it's so exciting to hear your word proclaimed, to be read amongst people. Lord, that's why we come together, is to hear your word. That's what, it's, it's all about you, what you have done. God, it, we're just so grateful for that. Lord, right now, there are churches uh, that are meeting in some harsh places around the world. There's some churches having some hard times just trying to meet, Lord. We pray that you be with them, encourage them, remind them that we are in this together. We are here as a group that we meet locally. We are also meeting, in the sense, universally together under the name of Christ. For we are a one people. And that your son has accomplished that by what he did upon the cross. Help us, Lord, to just follow you in all that we do, but to remember that everything has been accomplished in Jesus. God, we also ask right now, Lord, that you convict us of our sins, expose it, show, show it, reveal it to us, Lord. We are, we are good at hiding our sins, but God, you are good at, you're better at exposing them. God, we are, we are good at making idols, but you're, good at, you're, you're even better at crushing them. So God, help us to see what they are so we can cling to the cross with, with empty, hands of, uh, empty hands of faith, just clinging to Jesus, knowing that he has paid it all. That through his faithfulness, Lord, we are saved by trusting in him. Thank you for that hope, Lord. So fill us with love, hope, and peace so we can live out the faith consistently before you and in this world. We pray this in your son's name. Amen. Okay, so today's title is The Wondrous Gospel. So as we, as we look at our, uh, our text today of Ephesians chapter 3, verses 9 through 13, one of the main things that this text points out is that the gospel message in which we believe in is so much bigger than we realize. Christ's life, death, and resurrection has cosmic implications for you and I. We have been brought into something so colossal that all of creation essentially stands in awe over it. See, this gospel message of forgiveness and restoration and unity with God between, between, uh, between God and men is, is a radical message because it, it's so wondrous, so much so that we will be dedicating our life here on earth and all of our eternal life to learning about it and exploring it. I mean, this gospel message is simple in its presentation for anyone to come and believe, but it, yet it's so deep 
in what it reveals on what has been accomplished and its purpose. For it's a message that is truly of divine origin and not of man. So we will never exhaust it. We'll never exhaust its meaning. We'll never exhaust its worth. I mean, think of it this way. The whole Old Testament speaks of the gospel message that was to come. And now the New Testament speaks of the gospel message that has been done. So in one sense, when you read the Bible from cover to cover, which I encourage you to do, by the way, it always ultimately points to the gospel message that is found in Jesus Christ. It always points to the good news that Christ has won. He is the victorious one. He has accomplished all things for us to be right with God and with each other through faith in him. If we have faith in Christ, we no longer need to live in worry, fear, or agony as we go about this world, but we can live as free people because the power of sin and death has been removed from us. The world's power is no longer looming over us, but rather God's sovereign hand is working all things now for our good, no matter what comes our way or how bad we mess up and sin if we have faith in Christ. Christ has beat the world through his death and resurrection. He has beat this world not through military might, not through some crazy political agenda, but through his suffering upon a cross for our sins and coming back to life. And through what he did, he has created a new people of all types and backgrounds and mindsets through faith in him. And we are united in God by faith alone. And, and this is the theme that Paul has been speaking on in Ephesians up to, up to this point in our text. So here then, Paul, as we look at as chapter 3, verses uh, 9 through 13, Paul is going to continue speaking on this theme, but give us more insight as to why God has done all this through Jesus. Paul is going to widen and deepen our perspective as to why this gospel is truly wondrous news. So we're going to go ahead and look at the text. In verse 9, it says, And to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. And this brings us to our first point. The wondrous gospel is to be shared with everyone. Simple enough, right? So our immediate context, Paul is continuing his explanation of his stewardship, his his commissioning of the gospel that God sent him on. So what we have here in verse 9 is that Paul is saying that through proclaiming this gospel message, he is bringing light to people trapped in a world of darkness. He is in some, some sense illuminating people with the gospel truth of what Christ had accomplished upon the cross. He was on a mission to have all people's mind grasp what this good news of Christ means. This gospel frees people to replace their life of fear in this world with a life of trust and hope. He wanted all people's eyes to be open to see past the doom and gloom that this world presents day after day and rather focus and receive the gladness that is now given through faith in Christ and to live in that gladness in all that people do. He wanted people to be enlightened that this gospel message now replaces their hearts of hate towards each other with now hearts of love for each other and others. 
replacing self-centeredness with graciousness. He wanted to publicly declare and encourage people that this gospel message releases people from living in isolation and in solidarity and in loneliness and in separation. And rather, this gospel fills them with deep fellowship and open embracement of others in their life now through faith in Christ. Paul is saying that this message of enlightenment is what this world needs now, or to be more specific, to what he's expressing is that he says it is for everyone, Jews, Gentile, whoever. The world needs the gospel message for the gospel is God's answer to all of the world's problems which have all originated and are empowered by sin. Only the gospel can conquer it. God has always, as Paul says, had a plan to save people for it was hidden in God For ages. And now God is wanting all people to see that his grace is not just for Jews alone, but Gentiles. And to be direct with what Paul is saying here, he is on a mission to explain the plan of salvation of God, saving the world that has turned against him for generation upon generation and wanted nothing to do with him but has just mocked God over and over and over again, saying, we got this and we don't need you. Paul was determined to express that the God of all grace has a love for sinners. He loves vile, wretched people who wanted nothing to do with him. That through, that though in the past, God has been graciously loving the Jewish people, even though they constantly failed him and constantly complained against him and whined against him and and many times even turned their back against him. I mean, if you read the Old Testament, you'll see how many times the people of God just constantly sin before him. Yet God graciously restores them to himself and loves them no matter what, over and over and over again. Even though they keep running away, God comes after them. So Paul is saying that this same gracious God of the Old Testament is now available for all people. God is now revealing to all the plan that he made long ago that is now, that now is the time where his love and grace is offered to the world of men through faith in Christ. God planned this way back when and it is now here. But Paul is also making sure that that something else is realized. God's love for mankind that is offered is not a a separate love from the Jews, but the same level of love that he has always had had, but it's for all people. For that was the mystery that was hidden. Both Jew and Gentile, through faith in Christ, as Paul has now said in in verse 6 of chapter 3, are members of the same body partakers of the same promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. For God, through what Christ has accomplished, has now created a new people who are now one in Christ. Both Jew and Gentile, through faith in Christ, have become one people of God, even though there are many differences amongst them. Then, Paul says something very peculiar here. 
that kind of seems out of, the, out of place on the outset. But if you look at the context as the whole, something magnificent springs to life. Paul added at the end of this verse, who created all things. Now again, the phrase, the phrase kind of seems kind of just out of the blue. But when you look at the next verse, we can see where Paul is going here. And this is where our understanding of the gospel message, especially for the overall context of gospel unity that Christ, that's in Christ through faith, through him, uh, uh, through faith in him, this is, where the gospel, this is where our understanding of the gospel gets truly just widened. So to set this up, Paul in essence is saying here that the God who created everything, or the one who is the creator, has through what his son accomplished, this, this, this gospel message in which we believe in, reveals that through faith in Christ, God has created now a deep union between Christ and believers... And believers and believers. That even though the people are from all of that, the, uh, even though the people have many differences from each other, having different views on life, culture, politics, values, God has created a one people of Jew and Gentiles. Meaning, follow me here. The people who are united in Christ and are united with each other are not like-minded people in all things. They do not all have the same exact mutual interests of life. They are not carbon copies of each other. Nevertheless, because of faith in Christ, God has created a one people who fellowship with each other despite the majority of huge differences. God did not create a special club of people or a specialty group of people who agree on everything. What binds us together is faith in Christ. God has created a new people, as Peter has said in 1 Peter 2, verse 9, a new chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people of his own possession who are all different from each other. The only thing we have in common is that all of us are sinners in need of grace. And we all realize that. So we all have faith in Christ. So this faith in Christ and his works on our behalf is what makes us one. It's his grace over us. God took the broken, the exhausted, the rebels, the wretched, the vile, the perverted, the abusers, the liars, the selfish, the self-righteous, the envious, the jealous, the lustful, the prideful, the murderers, the adulterers, the fornicators, the foolish, the unwise, the arrogant, the angry, the fearful, the distraught, the boastful, the rebellious, the failures, the confused, the disobedient. God took sinners of all types, Jews and Gentiles, and created through faith in His Son one people to love and to cherish as His family forever and who He doesn't hold their sins against anymore. God created his church and is adding. He is the creator. He is adding people of all types to it day by day. So with all this in mind, 
God is the creator of everything. God is still building, still creating His church through what Christ did for them, us in the past, by taking our wrath, standing in our place of debt, to give us His righteousness and blessings through faith in Him. Paul then gives us the purpose of why God is doing this. And this is the point that is remarkable and all the gray cells in my brain explode. You can hear them dying. And this is what makes life so much bigger and enjoyable to live every day. Paul says, so that through the church, in verse 10, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known. And this brings us to our second point. The wondrous gospel is bigger than you think. Paul says here that the church, ordinary people, the people he is writing to, through them, or really through all believers, which means you and me, that God's wisdom would be revealed. We as individuals, or more specific to the context of the books of Ephesians, of the book of Ephesians, when we gather in the name of Christ as one, we reveal the wisdom of God. When we come together harmoniously on Sunday mornings amongst all the riffraff and division of the world, we come together and when we gather in the name of Jesus, we point to the power of God's gospel message. We point to God's great work, great wisdom at work right now, right here in this place. Which is why he says might be made known. Paul is saying to them and us that this is why the church exists. We exist as a a multi-generational, multicultural, multi-people, multi of all everything, of all types. To glorify God as one people so God's wisdom can be seen through us just by coming together to worship him. We are made to come together. We are made to unite with each other. We are made to come closer and closer together all in the name of Christ because it shows God's wisdom. Or more specifically, it shows the manifold wisdom of God, the multifaceted wisdom of God. And you know what that means? By us coming, by coming together, this is the magnificent sight on earth. Because God's many splendored wisdom is amongst us through faith in Christ. Yes, church, when churches meet all over the world through faith in Christ, we are the spectacle, the sight to be seen because of what Jesus has done to make us who we are. We are Christ's body of believers. And because of that, God's wisdom shines through us. Not because of what we have done, but because of what Christ has accomplished upon the cross for you and me to come to Him and come together. And you might ask, well, what is the multifaceted wisdom or the many splendored wisdom of God? Well, directly, it is God's answer to the problem of sin in the world. It is Christ. It is Christ through what He did. It's all of who Christ, it's all of who Christ is and, and what he's doing amongst us. That is the wisdom of God. But one person, 
uh, said of the wisdom of God, was a bit poetic about it, but I think it gives good insight and understanding of God's wisdom through Christ. This person says, God's wisdom produces contraries by contraries. By, li- by death, life. By dishonor, glory. By sin, righteousness. By cursing, blessing. By weakness, power. The invisible is manifested in flesh. He redeems captives, himself the purchaser, purchaser and himself the price. So the wisdom of God revealed in the wisdom of God revealed in the wondrous gospel shows his mercy, his love, his justice, his grace. It reveals to all that he alone is the one who forgives. He alone is the one who restores. He alone is the one who sustains. The wisdom of God shows the salvation of God's unlimited power through our weakness. And this is how we become strong. Through depending upon Him and Him alone. That He provides what He demands. And He demands perfection. And He gave perfection in His Son. So that we, the imperfect, could be with Him forever. Grace was given so justice could be met for us. The wisdom of God. See, the church, with all of its failings, on an individual level and on a corporate level, with all of our sins and all of our mistakes, Paul tells us that God's wisdom is seen through us by faith in Christ, especially when we gather together unifying in His name. But seen to whom? Well, obviously, it's to the world, but it's so much more. Like I said... This gospel has cosmic implications. It's so much bigger than the world. And you are part of something that is bigger than the world. We reveal God's multifaceted wisdom, as he says, to the rulers and authorities in heavenly places. God uses us, broken, ordinary people, to display his magnificent glory to the unseen spiritual realm, to angels and to fallen angels, which we call demons. Have you ever thought about that? Probably not. It's not something typically you think about. You gathering with other believers in the name of Christ, I mean, just seemingly a standard Sunday morning, where you're rushing out of the house to not be late, and you're cutting people off all angrily because they drive so slow. It's amazing how slow people drive when you're late. And you get all upset because you have to park farther than you wanted to, and you come rushing in only to find your spot is taken where you normally sit, so you sit someplace else that you don't want to, and you're all disgruntled, is making a cosmic difference in the world. Why? Because you are uniting in the name of Jesus with the person next to you through faith in Christ, even though your face looks like you're sucking on a lemon. Christ's victory is your victory through faith in Him alone. It's His performance, not yours. God's wisdom in saving sinners is extraordinary. And the spiritual world is amazed by this.
Not by the Grand Canyon. Not by us going to the moon. Not by all the latest electronics. No, what brings amazement is that God has made a diverse set of sinful people to be His as one people in the name of Jesus. That God sent His Son for people like you and me, sinners. God loves sinners. His grace is shining through us, through our failures that, that are forgiven. That's what brings amazement. Or when you look at it in a different way. When we go out in our normal church life, you know, with each other, like going to Bible studies, doing outreach events, greeting one another, helping one another, praying with each other, volunteering for children's ministry or youth ministry, tech ministry, worship ministry, any other ministries I need to talk about? We need help. And the list could go on and on. The fact that we come together, even though we have differences from each other, And we invite others to join us who also have differences. But we invite them anyways to unite with us through faith in Christ because God wants them to be united with us. For God loves sinners. This displays and informs the spiritual beings of God's wisdom. Of His amazing grace through Jesus. That His grace is greater than our sins. And the other mind-blowing fact is that God wants to show off His wisdom through what He's doing amongst us. Through His church, amongst our stumbling and fumbling, rather than telling the spiritual beings directly, God enjoys revealing His gracious works, His wisdom through us, imperfect people as we go about our lives. God wants us wants to use us as individuals and as a corporate church to show off his wisdom. Paul says, through the church he shows the wisdom. I mean, think of it this way. On a very practical level, when you read this passage, I mean, just on an individual level, through faith in Christ, when you wake up in the morning to go about your daily whatever, You are waking up completely loved and forgiven by God no matter how many times you failed and sinned the day before. And you will still be completely forgiven and loved by God no matter how many times you fail and sin in the present day and how many times you fail and sin the next day. That is radical. That is contrary on contraries. What God is doing for you every day a holy God. That should give so much meaning to your life. Because your life always gives witness to the gracious wisdom of God over you. I would hope when you look at life that way, you would see how freeing this wondrous gospel is and how each day can be one of hope and not of doom and gloom and you can look forward to tomorrow because you know God is going to shine through. And then, and then on top of that, when we gather together with other believers in the name of Christ, for example, on Sundays, we are not gathering together to say, look how good we are, how better I am than the rest. We don't gather together to hide our sins. Trust me, you got a lot. 
We don't put on a facade of how good we seemingly are doing. Because you're not. You might be good on the outside, but on the inside, whew, stink. No, we gather to express how gracious God is to all of us sinners. We gather to remind each other of how God's grace is greater than all of our sins and how Jesus has paid all of them off, even though we have messed up hard that week. Well, let me put it to you a different way. More directly, realize that Christ has accomplished everything for you and God is making sure your life, our life, the church's life, is revealing his wisdom to these rulers in heavenly places despite all of our deficiencies. God is making sure that nothing comes up in our life, goes to waste, becomes pointless, or overcomes us because his gracious wisdom is on the line with us and God will and does bend all of creation to magnify his wisdom through us by faith in Christ for all to see. This is why he says in verse 11, this was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord. Paul straight up tells us that this is the purpose of the church that God has planned long ago and the plan was accomplished by what Christ did upon the cross. Christ has achieved the plan of God that was set back in eternity through the cross, through the gospel. So as one person said, and, and speaking on a completely different passage, but the, but the concept is reminiscent here, the gospel is not about, about the power of God. Paul says the gospel itself is the power of God. So against all odds that come against us as individuals and as a church, with, this, with all the sins we struggle with, and, and with those who are against us, God will demonstrate that his people will stand united in his son through faith in him, for Christ has won. God's purpose and salvation will prevail so that all the angelic realm, good or bad, will marvel at what God has done and is doing through Jesus Christ with us. Jesus said in Matthew 16, 18, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. He's speaking about us and you. What a comfort and encouragement that at least should be for us. Your life as an individual level is fulfilling God's cosmic purpose of displaying his wisdom. And for the context of this letter, by gathering with fellow believers, it's also fulfilling God's cosmic purpose of displaying his wisdom. Look, ordinary people through faith in Christ who are struggling with sin, I'm good at that who are repeat offenders of God's law, you're looking at them, are fulfilling this amazing purpose of God, even though we fumble and stumble about. We are the broken tools which he uses to plant his marvelous kingdom of grace and truth. Be encouraged, church, to keep going and keep living in this world that is so dark, for you are bringing light to it, whether you know it or not, through faith in Christ. Whatever position you have in life, whatever struggle you are currently dealing with, whatever relational train wrecks that you are dealing with or maybe have just happened because of Christmas, whatever failures you have done, whatever inconsistencies you are dealing are doing, 
whatever messed up thing you have done or maybe even doing, but you're too proud to admit it currently, whatever physical painful situation that is occurring about you now, whether in your body or maybe in your heart, know this, God's wisdom will be displayed through you. For God's wisdom is multifaceted. And his gracious salvation and restoration and mercy and forgiveness knows how to deal with you as an individual to overcome all those things that would separate you from him and that would hinder his grace to be seen. And he knows how to deal with all of us corporately as a church through whatever struggles we have with each other. He knows how to bring us together through faith in Jesus, and he's doing it. Even though the world wants us to be divided over politics and policies and medical practices currently, he is wiser than the world, and his gospel is wiser. For Christ has accomplished the eternal plan of God upon the cross, so nothing will hinder it or remove it from us. For Christ has risen from the grave and is upon the throne forevermore to keep it that way. Then Paul says in verse 12, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through faith, through our faith in him. And this brings us to our last point. I'm coming to an end. The wondrous gospel truly gives us hope. And what you have here is Paul giving the, the application. Whoa. Okay, the application of this massive theological concept of the purpose of the church, what it means for you and me. So in a nutshell, he is saying that God wants us to come to him now with all of our problems and speak to him freely and openly about our sins, our issues, our heartbreaks, our worries, our fears, all through faith in Christ. God wants us to come to him as the wretches we are through faith in Christ boldly because of what he has done. God wants us to come to him through trusting in Christ and that he has done all the work needed for us to be right with God and that, he, and that we are his children in whom he loves. God wants us to boldly come to him by trusting in Christ's faithfulness even though we are not faithful. Trusting that Christ will not let go of us even though we have let go of him multiple times. Trusting in his perfect works rather than our incomplete works. So basically Paul is saying to all who have faith in Jesus, do not go to God hesitantly as if you are nervous about what he will do to you because of your great sin. Or beat yourself up as you approach him because you failed him. For coming to God hesitantly means that you don't trust that Christ has done everything for you. When we do that, we are saying his wisdom has possibly missed something. So Paul here is encouraging us to come boldly and confidently to God through what Christ has done For us, because that reveals and points to the fact that Christ has done it all for us. He said it is finished. And God's wisdom shines through us as we do so. We show that he has missed nothing. Paul ends then in verse 13 saying, So I ask you to not lose heart over what I'm suffering for you, which is your glory. And all this means is that Paul was willing to suffer hardships. And real quick, that word suffer there 
means not light afflictions. It means like hard afflictions, getting beat up. So that people could know the gospel and be saved. Their glory is that they can know God more and more through what is being accomplished through him. Hence, like him writing the letter from prison. God wanted them to see that everything that was happening to him was for his good and their good. So they could be encouraged for they are now a part of something so much bigger than they could ever imagine. So church, be encouraged in this wondrous gospel. Know that you have more purpose in your life than you could ever realize. Everyone who has placed their faith in Christ is a witness to the gospel power. A witness to God's wisdom. So parents, you have been freed to speak of the wondrous gospel of God over you to your children, even though you fail them. Christ has won for you. Married couples, you have been freed to speak this wondrous gospel of God to each other, even though you sin much against each other. Christ has overcome your sins for you. Grandparents, you have been freed to speak of, these, of this wondrous gospel that God has for you to all your family, even though you probably have messed up things in the past. Christ has completely forgiven you. Singles, you have been freed for wherever you go to tell of the wondrous gospel that is now in your life, even though you struggle much with sin. Christ Grace shines through you. See, all of us have been freed to speak of God's mission that we are all now a part that we are all now a part of, even though we are great sinners. Free to speak of His wisdom that is found in His wondrous gospel message. For we have a great Savior. Jesus has obtained this for you. So this is who you are. This is your purpose now. You are, as Jesus says in Matthew five fourteen. You are the light of the world, a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. For God's purpose will shine for you by faith in Christ because Christ has won. Be at peace and know that whatever others may say of you, whatever you may feel like, know that your life has so much more meaning and worth than you can possibly imagine for your life now is accomplishing God's purpose of displaying his magnificent wisdom, the gospel. This gospel truly is wondrous. And I pray that if you don't know him, that you come to know him today. And if you do know him, I pray you are truly encouraged. Let's go to him in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this time that we come together. God, we just, God, I know I'm a great sinner in need of your grace but I'm so encouraged that you love me. But God, that's not just true of me, that's true of all of us here. Lord, I pray right now, if someone's having struggles or issues or, or something going on in their life, some sin that keeps popping up, Lord, and they're just feeling beat down and discouraged, and Lord, there's much in this world to feel discouraged about. God, give them, give them hope to know that they... There's just so much purpose for them, and you love them, and you're working your purpose through them, and they may not even realize it. Those sitting at home, watching online, let them know that you are working your purpose through them. That even though the world may not see it, you see it. And that's what matters. That's why we live. We live for you and you alone. 
And you sent your son for us on an individual level because you love us. God, I pray if someone doesn't know you, that they come to know you right now, that they just repent of their sins saying, I need a Savior. That they can come to know you today. God, thank you for your grace and mercy and love to know that you have open hands saying, come to me. And I love you. We pray this.